0: Wait, what is in that thing?
1: Um, this one is pineapple, mango, chia, hemp hearts, turmeric, cinnamon, ginger, cardamom, white, pepper, and coriander.
0: I thought it was turmeric.
1: Tomato, tomato. <laughs>
0: Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in Los
1: Angeles, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 17 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain, also a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. On this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk bosses, specifically crazy bosses, and
0: how to deal with them. Then, because it's self-improvement September, we're going to find out how to age backwards. And who doesn't want to do that? Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to talk to Dr. Sarah Gottfried, whose latest book is called Younger, a breakthrough program to reset your genes, reverse aging and turn back the clock 10
1: years. I don't even need 10 years, like just five years would be fine. <laughs> um, and then to stay on the self-improvement theme, we have a healthy and delicious and time-saving Hollywood hack. Plus a celebrity sighting.
0: But, Sarah, before we dive in, we want to mention that Chris Gillibo, host of the podcast Side Hustle School, has a new book out. Remember, we had him as a guest back in Episode 10 – he was part of our Hollywood hack.
1: Yes. Um, and we talked about why side hustles are so necessary in Hollywood and how to find the one that's right for you.
0: Yes. Anyway, his new book is called Side Hustle from Idea to Income in 27 Days. And it's a detailed roadmap that will show even the busiest and most impatient person how to select, launch, refine and make money from a side hustle in under a month. It just came out on September 19th and is available now on Amazon and in stores,
1: and we'll include a link in our website. It's a great book. Yes, I have mine. I have mine, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Liz, let's get started with From the Treadmill Desks of, where we talk about what's pressing in our work psyches this week. And this week, it's bosses. Crazy bosses.
0: Yes, and this actually came up because we were discussing how thankful we are that right now we don't have a crazy boss. The show we're consulting on for the people, which, by the way, will be on ABC mid-season, has two very sane men um, at the top. Thank yes. goodness.
1: Yeah, and then two days a week we are our own bosses, so we only have to deal with our own particular brand of crazy, which we're used to. <laughs> yes, for the most part. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now, there are many types of difficult bosses, but today we're really talking about the crazy ones. You know, the boss who's unpredictable, unhinged, overreactive, the kind of boss that makes your head spin.
1: Yes. Now, fortunately, we've really only had a few of these bosses and one particular standout. We won't say when or on what show, so we decided we would give um, this boss a gender-neutral code name. Yes, we're going to call him or her Sam. Yes. So when Sam got fired, uh, which Sam ultimately did on because the show that we were Sam on. Sam was crazy. Crazy! Two writers on the staff totally separately went home from work that night and were scared that Sam was going to be waiting in their homes with, like, a machete or some other murderous implement.
0: (laughs) Yes, and one of those two writers was me. Um, I hesitated as I unlocked the door to my apartment because I was like, is Sam going to be inside (laughs) waiting for me and then, Sarah, you know this story. Yes. A few months later, I was at the grocery store and I had my cart. I was walking around and I saw Sam and I just froze and I ran. I just I left my cart in the aisle and I ran because I, I was like, either I'm going to have to talk to Sam or I have to get the hell out of here. And I was like, fight or flight. And I ran and I
1: called you like shaking. Yeah. So, (laughs) crazy bosses—they really can have an impact on on how you feel, mentally, emotionally. uh, (laughs) Bad bosses, crazy bosses are tough.
0: Yeah, and we should talk about what made this boss in particular crazy.
1: Yeah, so many things.
0: Yeah, I mean, for one thing, we would all have been working really hard on a story and have all this stuff on the whiteboard. And Sam would just start erasing it, not read it, not talk about it, not ask any questions. Just start at the beginning and start erasing without even knowing where it went. That was crazy making as well as crazy.
1: It was the unpredictability, I think, that got me. Sam, it was like two people. Sam could either be that cold, uncommunicative person that you're talking about, or Sam could be like... Really warm and overly warm and friendly, and you know, yes. kind of effusive. And it, Invite you brought people over, yeah. And you never knew which Sam you were getting,
0: yes. And then Sam would also do things like ban gum from the writer's room. Right. Or I remember a moment, Sarah, when Sam kicked your father who was visiting off the yeah. set. Yeah, if Sam is listening, Sam's gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hi Sam. <laughs> yeah, um, and that was a tough moment. I mean, yeah, you know, having your dad visit you at work is a big deal.
1: Yes, it was a big deal, and like in some jobs, it would be super weird if your parent came to your place right. of work. In our job, it's not that uncommon. People will bring visiting family members to set and that yes. kind of thing. So it wasn't like an inappropriate, out of bounds thing. It wasn't. A surprise either. No, no. It was something that everyone knew it had been was planned. happening. And I believe it was also my birthday, which <laughs> is why my father was in town. So we, yeah, we went to set and suddenly it was like this like flurry of activity and weirdness. And also Sam didn't kick my dad off set in person. Sam sent somebody else to do yes, it. So that yes. other person had to kind of be the messenger and that person clearly felt just like horrible about having to do this. Awkward. It was just it was truly like it was astonishing. Okay. So we have a
0: that <laughs> <with> nuts. Um <laughs> What do you do when you have a crazy boss? Because it has a huge impact on you. I mean, you yeah. and I would spend hours raging, inventing, oh, and, yeah. and analyzing. It increases your stress level an insane amount. It
1: makes you feel crazy also, because until you figure out they're crazy, you feel like you're the problem somehow.
0: Yeah, it keeps you from sleeping. Yeah.
1: It takes down your enjoyment of your coworkers. It's just unnerving in every conceivable way.
0: As you get more experienced, I think it's easier to deal with. I mean, when this happened, we were very young and inexperienced, and we were just like wide-eyed, like, what? (laughs) You know, the question is really, how do you deal with a crazy boss?
1: Yes. And there's this great article in Forbes. um, The title is 10 Brilliant Tips for Dealing with a Difficult Boss, and the we'll big link one, to it on our website. Yes. And the the one of the big ones that really spoke to us is setting boundaries. When you have a crazy boss, you have to somehow put up a boundary around yourself to protect yourself from the crazy.
0: Yes. It goes to, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of my favorite metaphors, which is if someone handed you a glass of poison, you wouldn't drink it. <laughs> right. So if someone hands you a mental glass of poison, don't take it in. Don't right. take in their poison. Yeah, it's hard, but it is possible. I think yeah. we've gotten good at not drinking the poison. Yeah. Um, I also like number 10 on the list of this article, which was avoid future bad bosses. Right. And that's something we've definitely (laughs) improved at.
1: Yes, we definitely learned our lesson. We learned what the signs are to avoid. We do more research before we take meetings and before we take jobs.
0: Yeah, we ask people, and here's the thing. Crazy bosses rarely appear crazy in a job interview. They often appear like anyone else. And someone may have told you, well, I've heard this person is crazy. And you go, well, I met them and they seem nice. Maybe yeah. <laughs> they just didn't get along with you. 99 times out of 100, <laughs> it's, it's that the person is crazy and they're just hiding the crazy to lure you in. Right. You can hide
1: crazy for 45 minutes.
0: Exactly. I mean, some people can't, <laughs> but many can
1: Yes. <laughs> so when we were in that situation... We handled it, I think, fairly well, don't you think? I think so. I mean,
0: I think we stood up for ourselves. I'm actually surprised at how much we stood up for ourselves. Yeah. Um, although Sam did hand me a box of Kleenexes and just say,
1: oh, just cry, Liz, because <laughs> I was trying
0: not to cry.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I think in standing up for ourselves, we were pretty respectful, right? I think so. I mean, we did pout. Publicly, we
0: wore our unhappiness on our face, Uh um, which Which I think we would not do now. We would hide it. We wouldn't be so open. We would be more
1: professional. I mean, we were
0: fairly professional, but we would be supremely professional now. Now,
1: yes. If we somehow got in that situation and we hadn't managed to preemptively avoid it. Well,
0: that's the thing is, and if we did, we would get out. But we couldn't. When you're young or, for many people, can't afford to quit their job. I mean, look, for us, we're in a job, sometimes it may be six months. Right. You know, we can usually, you know, just sort of grin and bear it. Right. But for a lot of people, like if you're going to be at your job 30 years, if you at all can change your circumstance, do so. Don't just, because look, a lot of bosses are wonderful. Yeah. We've had great bosses who we love, who we are still very close to. Yeah,
1: The vast majority. Yes,
0: the majority. (laughs) So there are good people out there and you need to find one if at all possible.
1: And know also that you're not alone. Like Mm -hmm. if you are experiencing your boss as a crazy person, Probably the people around you are, too. Yes.
0: And look, there can be advantages to a crazy boss. Oh, yes. Like a lot of times you'll end up bonding with your coworkers For you sure. Know? It makes you closer, like you're in the foxhole together. Yes.
1: All of the people who were working for Sam at that time, I definitely have a particular affinity for. Yes. And even though some of them we haven't talked to in a very long time... If they called, I would answer so fast and we would immediately be right back there, you know, bonded. Yes.
0: Um, Also, it
1: teaches you what not to do when you someday become a boss. Yeah, it really does. I think we are much better bosses because of the bad boss experiences we've had. Yeah. It definitely has changed how we view our own role and made us, I think, really aware of Not being crazy when we're in that situation.
0: Yeah, at least trying not to be. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Sometimes things happen. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, it also makes for great stories. I mean, this is true. How many people party talk? Yes. How many people have fled a grocery store because of their. their I have told that story not just a few times. Yeah. Um, so have you had a crazy boss? And if so, how did the crazy manifest? Did you, did you have to flee a grocery store? Share your story. You can email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 949-Happy21. And we can keep it anonymous if you like. We totally get it. Yes, we do. Next up,
0: we talked to Dr. Sarah Gottfried about getting younger. But first, a word from our sponsor. Now it's time for Take a Hike, where we talk about all things health, mental, physical, and spiritual.
1: Yes, and today we are so excited to talk to Dr. Sarah Gottfried. Dr. Sarah is the New York Times bestselling author of the new book, Younger, a breakthrough program to reset your genes, reverse aging, and turn back the clock 10 years. Her previous New York Times bestsellers are The Hormone Cure and The Hormone Reset Diet. After graduating from Harvard Medical School and MIT, Dr.
0: Sarah completed her residency at the University of California at San Francisco. She is a board-certified gynecologist who teaches natural, hormone balancing in her novel online program so that women can lose weight, detoxify, and slow down aging. Welcome, Dr. Sarah. Welcome, Dr. Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Happy to be here.
1: Um, So, Dr. Sarah, I read your whole book and underlined it, and I'm actually planning to go back and do your younger protocol, word for word, step by step. But I actually want to start literally with the inside flap of the book, which says the scientific reality is that 90% of aging and disease are caused by lifestyle choices, not genes, Um, which is huge and really gives people like a sense of control about their health and their future. But it's sort of surprising and empowering that science says we have that kind of control. Can you talk about
2: that a little bit? Definitely. You know, when I, when I went through medical school, which was 25 years ago now, we were taught that genes are your destiny. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of stuck with the parents that you chose and the genome that you got as a result. And it turns out that genetics play a far smaller role than we originally thought. So, yes, I think it's really empowering to learn the 90-10 rule, you know, that 10% of your risk of disease is genetic, 90% is the environment, much of which is under your control. And it's also a sacred opportunity. I think it kind of ups the ante so that we're putting the right foods in our mouth and we're, you know, getting the right sleep and crafting that lifestyle so that it really helps to slow down the aging process, especially once you get to a certain age. You know, I just turned 50 and you start to have that feeling that time is no longer on your side. Uh-huh. So I think the ninety ten rule is very helpful in that situation. And in
0: Younger, you lay out the five factors of aging, which you say are muscle, brain, hormones, gut, and toxic fat. And you explain how our genes determine how our bodies handle those factors. Can you just talk us through that a bit?
2: Yeah. When I started to think about the levers of aging, you know, what are the things that really... Move the needle, really make a difference when it comes to whether you're aging fast or slow. These are the five factors that I came up with. And your genes control a lot of this. You know if you if you look first at your muscles, muscles are where I think aging first shows up. Mm. And it certainly did for me. Um, I was down near you guys at a spa, and I went to a fitness class at the spa. And I had this really hot 25-year-old instructor <laughs> who was leading us in this high-intensity interval training class, and he wanted us to jump up on a box. Oh, and the box yeah. was about 18 oh, inches high. And so I went to do it, and I you know, was sort of proud that I could still do it. I still had it. And then he wanted us to do it 14 more times. Oh. <laughs> and I just realized, oh, I can't jump like I used to be able to. So what I mean by aging starts in your muscles and then these four other factors, I mean that your muscles are not as strong as they once were, especially your fast twitch fibers. So yes, your genes control these five different factors. If you look at toxic fat, for instance, one of the things that happens as you get older is that your are fat storage genes really start to turn on, depending on other lifestyle factors. I've noticed that. (laughs) You've noticed that? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, over the age of 35, you lose muscle mass, and it, it can really stack up. It's about five pounds per decade, and you start to have more fat, and fat is where a lot of the toxins are stored. So there's this genetic drive that kind of makes us age, and a lot of it we can turn back
1: So the Younger Protocol is really about identifying what's best for each individual because everyone's genes are different. How do you know which genes you have that are the ones to look out for?
2: There's two ways to do this protocol. You know, the first way would be to go with the lifestyle strategies that we know are the most effective for the majority of people. Because if you look at the genome, I was kind of surprised to learn this. 99.5% of the genome is the same from person to person. Mm -hmm. So the difference between us, the difference between you and me, is only 0.5%. So those are the variations that we can tweak if you know your genes, but you don't necessarily need to know your genes to do this protocol. You know, there's things like sleeping 7 to 8.5 hours every night. That works for 96% of the population, You know, the people who say, Oh no, 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 I'm good. I don't need as much sleep. I get by on four to five hours. Well, only four percent of the population has the short sleep gene. Mm -hmm. So I went with the factors that really apply to the majority of us, the ones that really make a difference in terms of adding longevity and increasing health span, that period of time where you feel fantastic and in your prime. And that's what's in the protocol. So you can get more specific if you know your genes. And I've got a appendix in the back for the people who've done 23andMe or you know, know more specifically about the top seven genes that are involved in aging, but you don't have to know that.
0: And why is sleep so important? Everyone says it's important, and we know it is just for feeling good during the day, but can you just explain for everyone out there why in terms of the toxic fat and all of these issues it's so important? Yeah,
2: I'm so glad you're asking about that because I feel like sleep is kind of one of those topics like stress where people start to snooze when you talk about <laughs> it. So, um, You know, the cool thing about sleep is that there's this system called the glymphatic system. So it kind of sounds like lymphatic, but it actually has a G in front of it, the glymphatic system. And it's like a shampoo that happens through your brain mm. when you sleep at night. It works most effectively if you sleep on your side. But one of its jobs of the lymphatic system is to clear away toxins. So the toxins that can accumulate and lead to Alzheimer's disease or, you know, not being able to remember very well, walking into a room, not recalling why you walked into the room, those toxins get removed when you sleep. So sleep does a lot of different things. It's where all the repair is done in the body and the growth and the healing but I think the lymphatic system is really the, the thing to keep in mind. And if you're sleeping less than seven hours a night, you're not getting the full shampoo. It's like washing your hair and kind of missing half your hair.
0: That's a great metaphor. That's a great way to think of it. When I want to stay up and watch one more episode of The Real Housewives, I will remember
1: <laughs> that I need to shampoo my brain. Yes. Now, totally. <laughs> Dr. Sarah, I want to ask you about saunas because I have—I do have a family history of Alzheimer's and I have a sauna in my house that like, I disabled and I use it as a linen closet because <laughs> I hate saunas. Yeah. But for reading your book, I feel like maybe I should re-enable my sauna. Why? What do they do? What's important about saunas?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I grew up with a similar situation. I've got a <laughs> a father who's Finnish, and so he's a big fan of saunas, but mm. we grew up storing Christmas gifts. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) similar to the linen closet. So, there's a couple things that happen with the sauna. You know, this is one of the pieces of science that I get the most excited about because there was this incredible article that was published in 2015 where they followed about 2,500 men in Finland, of course, because that's really the only place Mm -hmm. you could do the study, (laughs) and they looked at the men who had saunas four to seven times per week. And those men had a 40% decreased mortality compared to the men who had fawned less often.
0: Wow. So
2: 40% reduction mortality, that is gigantic. I mean, that's like the best we could ever hope for when it comes to a scientific study. But in terms of what's happening more on a molecular level, it turns on a gene called FOXO3. And all of these genes tend to be kind of confusing when you first learn about them. You know, FOXO3, it sounds like a license plate, but it's a a gene that helps to improve your longevity. Mm -hmm. And so when you turn on FOXO3, it starts to clear out toxins and um, proteins that aren't folded properly that can lead to mutations and cancer and other bad things. And it basically kind of gives yourself this reset that's uh-huh. very hard to get otherwise. It also acts as if a form of moderate exercise. You know, this is especially important for our listeners who hate to exercise. But it increases your heart rate, it gets your your blood pumping, and it's a good stressor. It's a form of exercise, so very good for your heart, good for your skin, good for your genes, especially FoxO three.
1: So, how much saunaing would I need to do? Four to seven to is make a, a lot. Difference?
2: Yeah. Yeah, jumping off with four to seven is a little hard, but I would say 20 to 40 minutes, ideally four times a week. You know, when I first learned about this data, (laughs) my husband and I changed our date night. Mm. So we no longer went out for dinner, and now we have our date night in the sauna. (laughs) It actually works really well. (laughs) So there's places where you can fit it in. You know, I've got two kids, and I take saunas with them. We put on a mask. We go in the sauna. Kids love masks. They don't really understand it completely. But we get in the sauna together, do 20 minutes, and then take off our mask afterwards. And we're current. We're emotionally current. So there are ways to fit this into your life.
1: Yeah, and at the gym. Most gyms have saunas if if you go to a gym.
2: Now, another
0: question we have um, is about intermittent fasting. And
2: why should we do it? Yeah, intermittent fasting is another form of... Hormesis, which is one of those kind of medical jargon terms, it's a good stressor for the body. You know, there's certain good stressors for the body and then bad stressors. So intermittent fasting is a way of restricting the feeding window. Most people have probably heard of it. And the simplest one is just to have an overnight fast of 12 hours. So you finish eating by 7 p.m. and then you have breakfast again at 7 a.m. For women, what seems to be the most effective when it comes to intermittent fasting is somewhere between 14 to 18 hours. Wow. So what I typically do is I finish eating by, say, 7 p.m., and then I don't eat again until 11 a.m. or noon. So what does it do? It basically helps to turn genes on and off to your advantage, especially the longevity Mm gene.
1: I do intermittent fasting. I do it at least 12 hours a day, sometimes 14. But... Like, should you, once a week or something, try to do it
2: longer? Yeah, so with women, I would try to aim for the longer periods, like 16 to 18 hours. Eek. What we know is that once a week is effective for longevity.
1: You should see Liz's face. <laughs> I know,
2: I'm like making, I'm,
0: I'm,
1: I'm having horrified reactions. <laughs> it sound, is it really hard? Do you get used to it over time?
2: You get used to it. I have to say, the first week or two of doing it, it's a little rough. You know, you get hungry, you're thinking, why am I doing this? I hate this person who told me about intermittent fasting. (laughs) And then you get used to it. You kind of get over the cravings, your body starts to adjust. And if you think about it, you know, much of what my book is about is how to have an ancestral perspective. Like there's certain things that we did thousands and thousands of years ago that were really effective for us and our genes evolved to make them advantageous. Mm. And so we didn't have breakfast, lunch, and dinner you know, like clockwork thousands of years ago. So when you restrict the feeding window, it tends to turn on the genes that you want for longevity and it tends to turn off the ones that make you inflamed, you know, kind of creates a frat party in your body. So you definitely adjust over time. And I think, you know, with intermittent fasting, the last piece I want to mention is that we know that a minimum of two times a week is what helps with weight loss. Ah. You know, weight loss and kind of keeping your weight at a healthy set point is another really crucial part of growing younger. So two to four times a week is what's ideal for weight loss. And when you're fasting, I assume you can have water. Can you have black coffee or anything else? Yes. You can have black coffee. You can have tea. You can have water. I'm a big fan of hot water with lemon. It's something that my great-grandmother always had. She died in her sleep at 97 very serious yoginis, still able to do pretzely poses at that point. Wow. There's some data to suggest that you can have a small snack. I don't think that works as well for women. Okay.
1: Um, so one of the things I love about your book is that it's really about how every person is individual, everyone is different, and everyone sort of needs to figure out the best way for them to approach their individual genes and environment and and all of that. Um that said, is there something that we should all be eating more of or doing more of? What are the universal things?
2: Well, I like this question because we're heading in the direction of personalized medicine. You know, I think it's probably five or ten years down the road where we have a little document on our smartphone that has our entire genome, and that's what we use when mm. we go see a clinician. You know, it just gets read, and then we have this individualized treatment. But we're not there yet. So, what can we do that helps universally? Well, I think the first thing is with food, so you want to eat food that doesn't inflate you, that doesn't create that frat party or what I like to think of as inflammaging, the unfortunate yeah. hybrid of mm. inflammation and aging. So that's you know kind of intuitive. It's what you might think. It's avoiding sugar flour. The kind of dairy, so I have an intolerance to dairy and to gluten, so I have to avoid those foods. When I drink wine, I drink biodynamic wine because it doesn't have the toxins that conventional wine has. I eat nuts, especially Brazil nuts. I have bone broth, all the things that kind of heal my gut. So those are things that are universally helpful for people. And, you know, the one thing that every nutritionist can agree to and every physician is to eat more vegetables. So I recommend Mm -hmm. one to two pounds a day. That's a lot of vegetables. It's a lot of vegetables, but, you know, divided into three meals, you can fit it in. There's Mm -hmm, ways to do it. Certainly the sleep and the sauna that we talked about already, those are universal applications for people who are trying to lose weight. I do actually recommend genetic testing in that situation because it can be so helpful and so empowering to kind of unlock that particular door. You know, instead of just trying the latest fad diet and hoping for the best, you can learn that Oh, I have the fatso gene, which I have mm-hmm. to have, and I have to reduce my carbohydrates. Like I'm someone who is a carboholic, and if I eat carbs, I will balloon up and be way over my set point and have diabetes mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, fatty liver, all sorts of bad things. I also need to exercise 30 minutes a day mm-hmm. to regulate the gene. Mm-hmm. So you you find out about these things that can really help you dial in the lifestyle that's best for you.
0: Now, a topic we have been discussing, um, on the show is Sarah's hair. She has salt and pepper hair and she's very conflicted
1: about whether or not she wants to dye it. And part of that
0: is, uh, is because of, for health reasons.
1: Yes. I get nervous about having like chemicals right there by my brain. And you talk about hair print in your book. So I was curious, like, are there legitimate concerns about hair dye? And then can you tell us a little bit more about hair print?
2: Absolutely. You know, a lot of people have noticed that my hair has gotten darker over time, and that's because I use hair print. So I'll get back to that in just a second. But, yeah, you're spot on to be concerned about the chemicals that are in dye. I can't believe that. I feel like this is yet another vast, uncontrolled medical experiment being done on women um, that we need to change. So what happens with dye, you know, there's a number of different toxins in dye, the people who have the highest risk are the people who handle hair dye, you know, like wow. um, estheticians who, who do color. We know that people who have their hair dyed have a 23% greater risk of breast cancer. There's a link to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, multiple myeloma, leukemia, bladder cancer. I mean, all of them are horrible. But then I think the question is, what's the alternative? And so I learned about hair print. A friend of mine, uh, Paul Hawken, who founded Smith & Hawken, Hmm. got very interested in this topic, and he found a food-grade way to color the hair. And it's basically a form of vitamins and minerals that change the composition of the hair. So not only does it color the hair and cover the gray, it improves the condition of your hair It makes it more like what it was 10 or 20 years ago, a little Hmm. thicker more lustrous really makes a difference. Now the part that's a little bit inconvenient and maybe this will change with time is that it takes about two hours two and a half hours to go through the process of using hairprint hmm. but you can learn more about it on their website. you can order it online you can also go to a swan where they do it for you and I'm a huge fan hair print. Oh, cool. So
1: there's also, like, there's the big issues of aging, and then there's stuff like hair color and dewy skin. Yes. Um, like, how do we keep our, just our skin looking younger?
2: Well, I think of skin as an inside job. You mm. know, for people who are stressed out, mm. and I have so much compassion for fellow stressed out women, because I used to be one of them, when you have high cortisol, the main stress hormone it rapidly ages your skin. It gives you more wrinkles. Mm. It makes you look more sallow. It causes more smile lines and more crow feet. So it really makes a difference to wrangle cortisol to really get that stress under control by doing things like your 10 minutes meditation together. And then when it comes to collagen, you know, one of the things that happens over the age of 40 and especially over the age of 50 and when you go through menopause, is that you don't make as much estrogen as you used to. It goes Mm -hmm. down dramatically. And estrogen is one of the key ways that we keep collagen in our skin. It's what gives us that plumpness and that dewiness. So you can help to improve the way that your skin cells make collagen by taking collagen. Mm -hmm. So one of the recipes in my book is a collagen latte, which has been shown to improve skin elasticity, in a randomized trial. Randomized trials are the best evidence that we have that an intervention works. So this is not just me saying this is a good idea. A randomized trial has proven that taking external collagen can make a difference in your skin elasticity. And that's something you can just order online, collagen? You can get it on Amazon. You can look in the appendix of my book where I talk about the different resources that I've found to be helpful. There's always a couple of suggestions in each category, including collagen. Awesome.
1: There's a collagen latte in my future. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think
0: that's something I can get behind, a collagen latte. Absolutely. Dr. Sarah, your book is just, it's empowering. It's enlightening. I, I think we can all um, do well to get younger. Yes. Um, and we just thank you so much for talking with us today. This is amazing.
2: My pleasure. And I love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much
0: to Dr. Sarah Gottfried. You can find her on Instagram at SarahGottfriedMD, on Twitter at drgottfried. And she's got a website, com. You can also go to the website for her book, youngerbook.com, for all sorts of bonus material.
1: Yeah, and I am going to be following Dr. Sarah's program, so I'll let you know how that's going over the next couple months as I get younger. (laughs) Yes, and
0: we will link to all this on the website, so if you don't know how to spell it, you can just look on our website, happierinhollywood.com, for all of this information.
1: Next up, this week's delicious Hollywood hack, after a word from our sponsor.
0: Okay, Sarah, it's time for our Hollywood hack. Now, you and I have both been trying to eat better, you especially.
1: <laughs> um, but it's
0: not easy to get all of the fruits and vegetables that we should be having into our bodies. No, it's really
1: not. So, we have discovered smoothie delivery.
0: Yes, and we don't use the same company. Right. I'm using a company called
1: Green Blender. Yes. You're using Daily Harvest. Yeah. So do you want to, you start talking about um, Green Blender. Green Blender sends
0: you a box of five smoothies. It, so it's they're all sort of individually packaged with the ingredients needed for that smoothie. It includes things that, you know, are really good for you, but that aren't easy to get, like, Chia seeds, or, spirulina, yeah, that kind of mysterious. Goji stuff. berries, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, things that you would, I guess, get at like a health food store, uh-huh. but, and they're just in a little packet and it's like, you know, exactly how much to put in and yeah. then you're done. And they're really easy recipes. I got a, a Nutra Bullet blender, which
1: I love. Yeah. Having a specific smoothie blender does seem to be key.
0: It's a big difference. Yeah. I'm getting one box every other week. That's like enough for me.
1: Mm -hmm. What
0: about daily harvest?
1: I get a box a week. And I started with having six smoothies delivered, and now I'm up to nine. Wow. Um, But it's not smoothies only. Daily Harvest has chia puddings and soup and overnight oats and smoothies and sundays. So I get a mix of things okay. because, like, Violet likes the overnight oats in the morning, and then I don't have to specifically cook her breakfast, right. which is nice. It's time-saving. And then, like, they have... um these chia puddings, which I bring to work, and you yes. just like open the top, pour in milk or almond milk or coconut water, whatever you want in it, and set it in the fridge. And then by the afternoon when I'm ready for a snack, it's like there and ready to go. And then they also have these sundays, but they're not. Like typical ice cream Sundays, they're all fruits and vegetables. So, like, there's a strawberry cheesecake Sunday mm. that's cauliflower and strawberries and a bunch of other things. Ooh, that sounds so, good. Yeah. So, like, if Violet's brothers come over for dinner, I can stick that in the smoothie blender and suddenly they're having like healthy ice cream for yes. dessert and they think they're having strawberry cheesecake ice cream.
0: Yeah, and Sarah, something I love about the whole smoothie thing is it's a great way to get, like, collard green, kales, yes. cucumber. I mean, all these things where it's just you feel like you have to eat so much of it to make a difference. Yeah. You can eat a lot of it when it's blended into a smoothie.
1: Yes, like Dr. Sarah was saying, you should be eating two pounds of vegetables in a day. That's a lot. And I now, like, can do that in smoothies and, and chia puddings and sundaes.
0: Yes. And a little tip I've learned, Sarah, because believe it or not, I I consider this cooking. So <laughs> Oh, cooking tip I have on the smoothie front is if I put in a little extra frozen banana, which you can yes. get at the store, it really makes it
1: smoother and gives it a nicer texture. Yes. Well, and I like also that they're pre-measured. Yes. Like if I make a smoothie on my own. It's gonna to be too big. I'm gonna to put right. too much in. This is a very defined amount. Yeah. So I'm not gonna have like more smoothie than I should be having. Yes. It's it's a good thing. Yeah. And they're we should say they're not cheap. No. But there's no food waste. I
0: use up all of my smoothies, which I never, you know, do if I just buy vegetables and fruit right. um loose. A lot of stuff always ends up going bad. Yes, it's on the
1: counter and gets moldy. This, it's in the freezer. You blend it. If you have too many, like I have a kind of a backlog, I'll just cancel for a week.
0: Right, right. It's easy. So we are not uh, doing ads here. We just happen to really (laughs) like our smoothie delivery services. Um, I guess that's very L.A. of us. Oh, yes. Uh, Daily Harvest and Green Blender are the two that we're recommending, but I'm sure there are others out there that are great
1: as well. Yes, and we'll post pictures on our Instagrams. Of our smoothies. Yes. And our smoothie blenders. Yes. Okay, now it's time for our celebrity sighting. A few weeks ago, we mentioned that we were on a quest to see Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin on the Paramount lot because we know they shoot their show, Grace and Frankie, there. We did not see them. Um, But our listener, Melissa, wrote in to tell us, I hate to break it to you, lovely ladies, but Grace and Frankie wrapped season four a few weeks back. So, unfortunately, you probably won't see Jane or Lily on the lot until we start season five, at least. Um, Love the show. Keep up the amazing work. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Melissa. So we're a little bummed that
0: we're not going to see those amazing women. However, all is not lost because we did score big time with the celebrity sightings on the Paramount lot. We saw Chrissy Metz and Justin Hartley, a.k.a. two out of three of the This Is Us siblings. Yes. So celebrity sighting accomplished. Yes. That was a really Chrissy Metz was fun. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, give us a review in
1: Apple Podcasts. It really helps listeners find us. And if you've ever had a crazy boss, tell us about it. Leave us a voicemail at 949-HAPPY21. Thank you so much to Dr. Sarah Godfrey. Her book, Younger, is available
0: wherever you buy books. Also, thanks to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Thank you to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Also, thank you to Gretchen
1: Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Twitter, at Sarah M. Fain, and Liz is at Elizabeth Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook and join in on the conversation.
0: You can find us on Instagram, too. I'm at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. Don't forget to join us as we post our self-improvement September pictures every day this month using the hashtag Happier in Hollywood. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job and we enjoy it. Sarah, I really hope was not listening to this episode. I know. (laughs) Lock your doors.